history that some of the history has already come out in the Voyagers book series and in the uh, Templar course book and things like that. But it's going to be more of a book that concentrates the history, where you see the whole history line. And when I talk about history, I'm really talking about the history from a very, very long time ago that moves up through the present. We've covered a lot of things for people who haven't been to workshops before. We have covered from the beginning times when life was seeded into this time matrix, not just on this planet, but into this 15-dimensional system, which began 950 billion years ago. That's a long time in Earth time calculation. And how that has led through a series of population of planetary systems, as we know as we know them from Earth, what we would call planetary systems or star systems, and how that culminated in the seeding of Earth. Now, our history has been riddled with what we would consider to be war. There has been warring taking place in this time matrix for 250 billion years, which really isn't too bad if you look at the fact that for from 950 billion years to 250 billion years, everybody got along well. So that was a pretty nice long stretch of peace. But it hasn't been peaceful here for a very long time. The people on Earth are in a very interesting place of consciousness. Because when you come into Earth and you incarnate onto this planet, you're incarnating into, let's say, a little bubble. It's a quarantined reality field. And it's, it's been quarantined for over 25,000 years. So people that are born on this planet come in with an innocence that is useful to some degree but it is also an innocence that can be the downfall of the civilization. Because if a people don't know who they are and don't remember who they are, they don't remember where they came from or what larger drama their existence is a part of, it makes them very vulnerable for somebody to come in and fill in the blanks for them and tell them, oh, well, you're this, we created you, so now you follow us. In our recent history, say from Atlantis 25,500 BC up to the present, we have been like children on this planet. The races that were the guardians of this planet that held huge history banks. I mean, as when we were 12 feet tall and were breatharians, we didn't even need to eat because we had full control. This is what a human was. It was a being who had full control of its ability to manifest and demanifest. We did not need to eat foods. We did not need to... We had different organ systems in our bodies because of you know, the advancement of our gene code. And we were innocent but all-knowing. There is a place of being where you can be <coughs> in innocence, but not unaware innocence. We are in aware innocence. Since 25,500 BC, and really it began before that, but the big um, axe fell during that period of time and since then, we have been progressively becoming more lost within our hologram down here. We don't remember anymore that we're angels. We don't remember anymore that stargates even exist, forget how to go through them. These, the fact that we don't have what we used to have is not an act of God. It's not an act of something that was supposed to be in the original divine blueprint for this planet or for this time matrix. But it was an act of, let's say, the interplay of stellar races that was allowed to occur, but only for a certain period of time. It was allowed to occur and it's interesting, if we go through the history, we'll find, gosh, we've been victimized. It'll be one of the first things that pops out. How could, you know, how could God let anybody do this to us? This wasn't nice. <laughs> you know, this was like, worse than that nice. This is awful. What has happened here has been awful in that context. But we, as humans, you know, incarnating into this reality field, we chose this. We allowed this to take place for certain lessons that we wanted to learn. We were sent on 
right. say a kind of like cosmic doctor's mission. There were races that had fallen, races that were even more ancient than the human race. The human race was created as a, a doctor race, in a way, that we were going to come in and figure out how to fix it. The best way to find out is to find out what was really causing the problem. So we allowed ourselves to come into a situation where we would experience some of the same genetic mutations and loss of conscious awareness and twists of conscious awareness that those mutations created. So we allowed what has taken place. When we look back at the recent history, the recent history has been one of the most brutal, brutal legs of development on Earth. But that's only in this seeding. There's been three seedings of human beings on this planet. Some of you know this that have been to other workshops, some of you don't yet know this. But two of the, the first two seedings were literally wiped out. They were wiped out by the same forces that are back, so here again, <laughs> just like we are. Constantly this place has been under siege because it is a significant um, location within what's called the Universal Templar System. The Templar System refers to the organic Stargate System. The Stargate system is also the Ascension system, or the Descension system, whichever way you're coming, down or up. All right. The Stargate system is the system of, you could call them portals, Stargates. They're frequency modulation zones between the highest frequency spaces before matter has any density, all the way down to the systems that have full dense matter. The Stargate system is what allows any of us to come into the densification of the hologram that we experience as three-dimensional reality. So the Stargate system, every reality field has a Stargate system, be it you know, in this time matrix or in this cosmic cluster or in, or in others. The Universal Templar is a small part, and we'll, we'll learn this in the Dance for um, Love program, where you start to see how our huge Templar um, is very small compared to the larger Templar that it's a part of when we get into the God World Templars. But our 15-dimensional system has um, 12 primary Stargates that control the matter systems. They go from pre-matter density at D12 all the way down to where we are here in dimensions one, two, and three. And then there are higher systems of gates that have to do with the God worlds. But ever since the, um, the Lyran Elohim Wars of 250 billion years ago, there has been a problem in this time matrix. There have been created a system of stargates that didn't belong here in the first place. They were created because of an event that took place where a certain group of Elohai Elohim became convoluted in consciousness because they had inbred themselves to the point where they had genetic distortions and they were not genetically what they had once been. Because if you cross something with itself enough times, you begin to get errant deviations of the pattern that you didn't expect and you never know what's going to come out. And that's what happened with some of these Elohim beings. Because of their mutation of consciousness, they decided that they wanted to be masters of this universe. They decided they didn't, didn't want it to be a free will universe. They decided that they had the right to do that. And if anybody wouldn't cooperate them with them, well, they will just get rid of anybody who wouldn't cooperate with them. So they started warring in the Lyran system. They call it the Cradle of Lyra. That's where our Stargates 12, 11, and 10 exist. They're the entry points into any of the lower density systems in this, in this time matrix. When these wars occurred, the Elohai Elohim High Council, which were the ones in charge of Stargate 12. They were the High Council that was the, they were the closest ones to the Yanas, which are the Ascended Masters that are beyond being in the time matrix. They were commissioned as kind of the supervisory team to make sure everything went well in this particular time matrix. And they worked together with the two other groups. You had the Elohai Elohim, the Seraphi Seraphim, and the Braharama races. 
and they had all agreed to something called the Emerald Covenant. The Emerald Covenant was a co-evolution agreement that they would all agree to work a free will system here where we could explore the hologram and manifesting and creating in density. These were creator gods. You know, parts of, yeah, our, we were originally them. <laughs> no, we got down here, but we were originally them. The Elohai Elohim, confronted with the problem of portions of their own race that had fallen to the point where they were beginning to war with the other races. They had also, were watching this occur with the Seraphi Seraphim races. The Seraphi Seraphim races created avian life forms. They created um, reptilian and insect insectoid life forms. And some of theirs were also having the same problem and they were fighting with the fallen Elohai Elohim. So there was a lot of conflict going on and negotiations were tried to, to help these races re-evolve their genetic code so they could get their consciousness back so they could stop fighting with each other. But the Eli Elohim decided to take their, they were called the Anu Elohim, that was one particular family of them, decided to take matters into their own hands. And if the Elohai High Council wasn't going to help them, then they would simply get rid of the Elohai High Council and then they would go and get rid of the draconian races that they didn't want here either and they'd play masters of the universe and this would be their time matrix. And they attempted and succeeded in destroying Stargate 12. Now Stargate 12 is in a planet called, or a star from here, called Aramatana Lyra. When you look up in the Lyran system here, it's what they call the double-double in Lyra. It's, so it's like you know, on the star charts, they would call it the double-double. That was the area of Stargate 12. It was in that planetary system. When Stargate 12 was destroyed, there was a big problem for this time matrix because the 12th dimension of frequencies hold what's called the divine blueprint. That's the, the full mathematical program for everything that's to be manifest in this, in this system is held in scalar wave form within the 12th dimensional frequencies. When Stargate 12 was destroyed, it was fragmented. Those scalar wave forms were fragmented and ripped apart. And part of them went into what's called reversal, which means if you have, let's say, a mathematical program that runs number one through 20, take that and flip it around, and you have 20 running through one. All right, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that, but it's the same concept of a reversal. The mathematical program was running reverse on part of this system. This creates what's called a black hole. As far as science goes, in our contemporary times and sci-fi and that kind of stuff, you can, you know, they talk about black holes. Science here doesn't know a lot about black holes or what they do. But black hole systems are literally systems that, if you think of a pair of nylon stockings, and you know how they get a hole in them, and then it starts to like, get runners all over the place, and then like the hole eats the rest of the thing eventually, so you throw them away. Well, you can't throw time matrices away. But black holes work like that, that once a hole is poked in the natural fabric of the scalar wave form, it, the energy that has gone into that fragmentation begins to reassemble itself in, fra in, in chaotic, fragmented form. So let's say you had an alphabet of what we call fire letters or scalar wave forms that created a very beautiful, ordered type of universe where things worked well. And you rip those apart and you get alphabet soup and you throw half of the alphabet soup over this way and half over this way. The one that got thrown over this way became the black hole system and it reordered itself on an unnatural mathematical program. That unnatural mathematical program did, however, allow for the system to continue, which means the life forms that got taken down into that particular matrix, and it was called the phantom matrix, they were able to, as consciousness, sustain and put themselves back together to a degree. And they formed creator gods in the phantom matrix. And those creator gods were the same ones who tried to blow up the stargates in the first place. They didn't get the whole time matrix, but they got part of it. 
and they created Phantom Matrix. And their main objective was to get the rest of the energy off of the main matrix because they were not self-sustaining. When a black hole system is created, the only thing it can do to sustain itself is to draw energy from the matrix it fell from. If that door is closed in the matrix it fell from, it becomes a finite system that implodes in on itself. And when it implodes, we can never be away from God, but there's two ways to go home. One is fully aware and knowing it. The other is a space dust. You're still holy when you're space dust. You just don't remember it, and it doesn't have much meaning to you at the time. So the system called the Phantom Matrix, which is the beginning of the plight of war in this time matrix, is a system that is structured. They have matter like we do now, because since the Lyran Wars, since the black hole was created, they have progressively found ways to artificially order the energy that they could suck into their system. They have pulled planets into their system. They have pulled galaxies into their system from this time matrix. We're in the middle of a very long drama. We're in the middle of the end of a very long drama. Because for many, many billions of years, there's been a rescue mission going on here, trying to get races to evolve back out of the phantom matrix, back out of the black hole system, so they can get their Christic imprint back. The Christic imprint belongs to everybody, not just Christians. In fact, the people that call themselves Christians in this day and age that, you know, are more interested in telling you that you have to listen to the Bible the way it's written by the Council of Nicaea more than they're interested in finding out what, you know, what Christianity is really about. This, the Christic imprint is your divine blueprint scale our wave pattern. We all come in with one, at least we originally did. Now, the, the people in the black hole system, the races that have evolved from there, they no longer have that. They have created races upon races from their system that were born without what's called a Christic spark. That means they don't have the original ordered mathematics as the basis for their template. So they've created many, many distorted forms, many, let's say, mutated children. The children of the Phantom Matrix became very much intertwined with the children of our matrix. And Earth became one of the main places that where, where that took place. The intertwining of the Phantom races and the natural angelic races on this side of the barrier, let's say, um, began way before we came to Earth. It began in the Gaian system. Now, when I talk about Gaia, I'm talking about density three, dimension seven, eight, and nine. It's an etheric matter density level, where we have physical matter here, and density two is a stage between this level of physicality and etheric, where if you imagine what you think a ghost might look like, that kind of you can poke your finger through it kind of matter, you know, but it's still there. Except it doesn't look that way in there. It looks just as physical when you're there. It just looks etheric from here. <laughs> right. Anyway, it began with Gaia. And it's funny because if you look at the, the Greek mythologies, you know, Lady Gaia. Gaia was a goddess. It was the goddess of the earth and things. Yeah, that's, that was definitely true. Yeah. They didn't tell you about density levels, and they took all the science away from it. But they personified Gaia and the names of a lot of things. In, into the Greek mythologies and the, the Roman mythologies. But the problems began, that, that are affecting Earth, began in the Gaian system. And that began about 570 million years ago, where there was a whole bunch of wars. And it was always, you know, you had the angelic races that were trying to assist the fallen races to get out of the black hole system before the black hole system was closed permanently. Because once it was closed, you couldn't get them back out again. So it was an act of love to keep the system open to allow it to have enough energy by taking energy from the system so it could sustain long enough to try to evolve these people back into their original forms. But the warring began to, it got progressively 
more intense from the time of 570 million years ago. Because this is when the original guardian races that were here were called the Azurites. They were a collective race that was created by putting the genetic templates of the Elohai Elohim, the Seraphai Seraphim, and the Braharama races all together into one to create a, a race that was appointed as the guardians of the Templar of this time matrix. They were the original angelic race that was supposed to go in here and help the others evolve back out and make sure they didn't destroy a whole bunch of things in the process. Well, the Azurites became in, entangled in one of the major wars in the Gaian system. They were called the um, Gaian-Orion Wars, and it had to do with some of the Draconian races in the Fallen Matrix that are associated with the Orion system, and it had to do with a number of other races. We'll get into more of that history when we talk about the Metatronic thing, because this is when Metatron became a problem for our time matrix. But in the meantime, this period, 570 million years ago, was a turning point in this time matrix. The Azurites encountered some problems where large numbers of them ended up in the Phantom Matrix trying to get the others out. So a new race had to be created to serve as the guardian race on this side, and that's where humans were created. We were originally called the Orophim, the Orophim angelic human, and from the Orophim came another type of human. It was a step down in the gene code. The Orophim had um, anywhere from 24 to 48 DNA strand templates. When you step them down, they're called the indigo children, this time around, for anyone you who know, hasn't followed the work. Um, step down from there, there was the Turanissium II human, angelic human. And they were seated on Tara, where the Orphim were seated on Gaia and in the Cirrus star system and in the Lyran star system. And then the, uh, the Turanissium II were seated in the Taran time system. Tara is the density two counterpart of Earth. That's dimensions four, five, and six. And they're also time frames. Now they're simultaneous time frames. So you have these races and these parts of our races that exist right now in their space-time coordinates. They're still there just like we are here at this time. From the Turanissium twos, ones, came the Turanissium twos. The Turanissium one is the Taran Turanissium angelic human. The Turanissium one are the ones that came from there. Now the Turanissium ones on Tara had 24 strand DNA templates, the one from 24 to 12, and then the Turanissium ones had, <laughs> keep getting ones and twos. Ones were first, ones were on Tara. They had 24 strand DNA, 24 to 12. And then out of them came the Turanissium twos, the second experiment. And that was the Earth humans, the angelic humans of Earth. But they were also put here with Orophemes. The Orophemes were the indigo children who were called the Magi. They were the Magi Grail line that were put on the planet to protect, really to protect the angelic human races, the Turanissium races. So together, we could all heal the Templar here and finish the mission. The mission has been here for a long, long time. And the mission was, when it was originally agreed by the high councils of the uh, Christos founders races, to, there's a decision to be made 250 billion years ago. Do we close the Phantom Matrix now and stop it from getting any worse? Or do we keep it open to try to help these races evolve back out? Because if we close it, they're gone, and their evolution will lead them into space dust, which is okay. I mean, they are still a part of God. But when you go back as space dust, you don't go back and go back up. You are still within the hologram. You become part of the substance of the dimensional field within the time matrix that you got stuck in. So if your template gets fragmented, you end up as little tiny pieces of scalar waveforms with your consciousness not being able to talk to itself anymore. And you go back to dust, as they say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You go back to consciousness dust, and you don't go fully back out of the matrix. You'll be the substance that something else comes into the matrix, evolves through, you will evolve back through another form, but you won't recognize yourself 
as what you originally came in with. So it was a big decision. Do we make sure they can't cause any harm? Because like to blow up Stargate 12 and the Divine Blueprint and the Time Matrix is not a small thing. That was the point of original sin. And it was created by the Anu Elohim races. And that's why it even ended up in our Bible way down here this long. Yeah, it's out since that time. It's even come all the way through history to this point. The decision was made to keep the time matrix open, the phantom matrix open, to see how many of them we could evolve back out. Because there were several races that didn't weren't intended to go. One of the races that wasn't intended to go are called the Odetocron Reptilians. They were out of the Seraphi Seraphim family. They weren't the Draconians. Now, Draconians are called Omicron Draconians. They are different than reptilians. They have partial reptilian gene code at this point, but they started out as dragon moths. So they're like a reptile moth type being, and they evolved a lot of things out of there. They were the original fallen Seraphi race. But in the mess that was taking place in Lyra 250 billion years ago, when these wars were happening, the Odetocron reptilian races lived on the same planetary system in Vega, Vega Lyra, that the fallen draconian ones lived on. And when the draconians tried to fight back against the Anu Elohim from Stargate 11, which was in a planet called um, Avion in Lyra, they ended up getting sucked into the black hole with the Omicron and with the Anu, the Anu Elohim. So it was primarily because of the Odetocron races that had not wanted, they were still Emerald Covenant. They, they hadn't done that on purpose. They just got stuck between a rock and a hard place and ended up in a black hole. It, a lot of it was, yeah, I mean, as I sized it up, it, it was basically, that's what happened to them. And there was great love in the Founders races for all of them, even the ones of their own who had tried to destroy them. I mean, it's like having a child that goes crazy. You still love the child. But you have to do something, or it's going to like blow up the house and assassinate the neighbors and that kind of thing. And you, you know, I mean, you may love it, but at some point you've got to restrain it or something before it, you know, because it's not helping itself by doing those things either. So there was a lot of love. The decision to keep the matrix open was a decision of love, and it wasn't a decision that had to be made. There was absolute justification at that time to close the matrix. To say, you guys made a choice. You were warned about what that choice would do. Now you've, you've harmed yourselves in a big way, <laughs> you know? um, who are you going to blame? Now they blame High Council. Well, if you had destroyed the Draconians like we asked you to, we wouldn't have had to blow up your Stargate, right? <laughs> this is the mentality. It was scary. Did you ever listen to, like, lately, the conflict in the Middle East? Did you ever hear these people debate each other on TV when they have the representatives of the Palestinian side and representatives of the Israeli side? Some of them carry that attitude, like, well, you make me. You made me do it. You know, I have to go keep blowing people up because you make me do it. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Who's going to take some accountability for your own actions here? This the whole argument goes way, way back. Yeah, there are races all over this 15-dimensional matrix and phantom matrix that have these attitude problems where they don't want any responsibility for their choices. So they blame. And if, they, if you can blame somebody, then you've made a target for yourself. So you don't have to grow. You have to go and kick on them and try to suck their energy and mess them up and then you feel vindicated. This is what has created the whole situation of perpetual worrying. But anyway, we have a problem still with Phantom Matrix. It was left open with the, because of love and because the, there's always, and it's still a, an attitude that's very much held by Christos races, where there's life, there's hope. <laughs> if it fell, it can rise again.
<laughs> theoretically anyway. <laughs> and it was a big theory because council had never, you know, council was a council of creator god beings that used to be ascended master beings that weren't in matter, that, you know, had decided that they would follow this imprint that Source created, that you could create matter systems and, you know, this could be neat. This was new to them too. <laughs> Uh-oh, <laughs> what do you do when that happens? Oh, <laughs> who do you talk to? <laughs> you call up to the, the Giannis Ascendant Master Groups. Um, I think we have a problem down here. <laughs> you ever hear of this one before? <laughs> you know, is there any other matrix that this happened to? And there had been, not too often, but there were a few other time matrix systems that had that, and some of them completely and totally imploded, which creates a major problem of restructuring if you put enough holes in something, eventually the air or the life force energy goes out and the whole pattern falls to chaos. Source can't allow that to happen or the whole arena of the hologram would fall apart. <coughs> so whenever it gets to the point where there's a black hole that's trying to eat everything around it, there has to be a point where Source itself will intervene and say, okay, the balances are going to be reset. At that point, that could have happened in this time matrix 25 billion years ago. And there's still a lot of debate in council as to, see, there's one group that said, we told you so. <laughs> we told you, just do it now. <laughs> right? And there's the other group. <laughs> there's the other group of bleeding hearts. Oh, no, where there's life, there's hope. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was on that team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the, it's really funny, the, re the reason I use the, the word light, love, and clueless a lot is because I spent a lot of my existence in the last 500 billion years in the light, love, and clueless space, which means, oh, if there's light, there's hope, love it, love it enough and it'll come back, love it enough and it won't destroy you, love it enough and it'll become good, even if it doesn't want to be, no, it won't. <laughs> so, so, there's a whole group of counselors right now that kind of sits up there and goes, well, we don't like to say we told you so. We understand the love that you, you, you guys were coming from. And because it's a free will system, we honored your wishes. Happy now? <laughs> Can we finish it now? <laughs> the finishing has to do with simply resetting the divine blueprint completely. And that means opening the God world gates and allowing the frequency to come through that will put the regular mathematics back here that originally came here. But at this point, I mean, we should have done it before. When I look back and say, well, I was on that couch on the wheelchair, I really, really should have gone the other way. But it seemed so heartless. You know, it seemed like, well, you know, you have this handful of, of fallen angelic races that used to be our, our brothers and sisters. We love them. We don't want to abandon them. <laughs> we might have been put them out of their misery. That's too. Because right now, you not only have the original groups, you have billions of races that they've created. You have billions of hybrid races that they've created by coming through to this side and finding out ways to use artificial genetic engineering to combine the life forms from here with the life forms from there, we have allowed a mess to occur. And we had the greatest intentions <laughs> in doing so. It was the intentions of love and, yes, you can heal it. <laughs> you know? We didn't know any better. <laughs> you have to think, theoretically, that whatever it is, if God made it and God let it get broke, then God could fix it. <laughs> no. Some things, because of the order of the way the universe works, just the mathematics, the physics that are needed to create the hologram, some things are more easy to accomplish than others. Now, you can, if we did not have a free will time matrix here, if we were, if we wouldn't have been nullifying our own point 
by saying, okay, we're going to make them get better. <laughs> we're going to go in there, wipe their memory clean, put them back together, and then drag them out by the bootstraps. <laughs> now, that's more like the things they like to do, <laughs> those kind of things. That would have been a violation of the free will of those who chose to take that path. So we had to find ways of re-education and of assisting them with what's called bioregenesis, DNA template regenesis. Because if you have your DNA template shattered and you don't have a D12 imprint anymore, the concept of Christ consciousness means nothing to you. It's like a language you've never heard before. You can't feel the unity vibration that comes from the D12 pattern. You can go and kill something and say, hmm, oh, that's neat. Wow, look at that one, it dies. Wow, look at that. So that's what happens and feel nothing. The beings in the phantom matrix don't feel in the same way that beings on this side do. The ones who have crossed between the hybrid people have a little bit of each, which is even harder, because it's like having a demon that lives inside of you, an angel and a demon at the same time, where the angel feels, but it doesn't quite understand what it's doing, and the demon comes through and says, oh, I want to do that, whack. You know, and it goes here smacking things and, you know, hurting things, and the other part says, oh, should I maybe feel bad there? <laughs> so we're in the middle of this, the end, middle of the end of a drama that has a huge history attached. The history in terms of our planet itself is long and exhausting enough. We've brought a lot of that through, and that's gonna, a lot of that's going to go in the Forbidden Testaments of Revelation. Because when you see the history, you kind of go, oh my God. Oh, that's what they didn't tell us in history class in school. <laughs> it gives you a whole different perspective on what's taking place. Right now, we can watch the, the TV and look at you know, the Palestinian-Israeli drama. We can look at the dramas that are happening in Africa or happening in Argentina. And people all over the place have always been fighting on this planet. This is not natural. This is not normal but it's become how things usually go in this time matrix. Well, we, ha we have no memory of that anymore, is realizing, oh, when you watch the situation on TV, oh yeah, they're the ones that, the, they're, they're working the DRAC agenda, and okay, these guys are working the Anunnaki agenda, they always hated each other, of course they're fighting. We look at people, and we call them humans, and we say they're fighting because they can't figure out how to like each other. Anybody ever see Star Wars and the Star Wars bar scene? Where, you, <laughs> where they had like things of all sorts you know, hanging out at the park. <laughs> it was classic. Because there's a point in time when you start to get your high sight back, your inner, you know, your ancient eyes start to really open, where you walk into a room and you realize we're walking on, this is like the, the Star Wars bar planet. <laughs> things wear human masks here. And what's scary is, a lot of us wouldn't know. Gee, am I human? <laughs> Now that I think about it, I never asked myself that question. Right? Like, if I took off my human mask, would I would I be an orpheme, which is what a, you know an orpheme or a trinisium? Would I be a human, or am I something else? We're taught here to amalgamate the concept of humanity as one race that's bipedal and it kind of looks like this, and it's all one thing and always was. That isn't the way it is here. We all have, I mean, we may be of different races, that's fine. I mean, there's a lot of Lyran Syrians running around right now. You know, if Orathim put on their full clothing, they'd be like 12 feet tall and look very, very different. And they'd be sort of pretty strange compared to most people. You know, like we look pretty weird. You know, so would most of you. <laughs> I can see the, as soon, I can see that like they, they move, remove the stuff in the grids that are keeping the gene code here and everybody within a week morphed back into their original self. You, that you wouldn't have enough psychiatric wards because you'd walk into the bathroom in the morning to wash your hands and you'd go, ah! <laughs> you know? And everybody would be doing that everywhere with each other on themselves. But the truth is, right now, we're wearing a mask of humanity. All of us are. 
And on the surface, you can't tell who is from where or what their agenda is. But in truth, all of the agendas that we're seeing running, all of the things that are happening in our daily lives now that are going to become more and more in our faces as we go through the next 10-year period, these are all about politics that have to do with three primary groups. One are the Amifrandraconians, another are the Anunnaki or Anu Elohim races, and the third one, and they're pretty much the ones that are most overlooked, are the Guardian races. They figured they had us neutralized a long time ago, so there's not enough of us on the planet to make it to cause a problem. <laughs> so the fight that's happening right now, that we're watching evolve right now, has to do with a very ancient battle, a battle that was scripted in Atlantis to take place, but it was put on hold because of the stalemate with the stellar activation cycle there. It's a battle of dominion between the Anu Elohim forces and who are working that, you know, those agendas and the ones who are working the draconian agendas. There's a third player in this, but they've always kind of been a part of it, and we'll talk about them when we get into the Metatronic um, thing. It's called, they're called the Wiesedek races. They were from a different black hole system, and they joined forces with the ones from Phantom. So we'll talk about them more. But these guys came from somewhere. These mythologies came from someplace, just as did the Christian mythologies and Hebrew mythologies, the things that we base so much of our lives on, cultures on right now. Very rarely are we taught to think, first of all. <laughs> We're taught to absorb information as it's presented to you and follow it, period. And as long as you behave, you'll be socially acceptable, you might be able to have a job, and at least if you're in a more developed country, you'll be able to eat, have a home, and have a functional little, probably meaningless, but at least you'll be able to occupy yourself life. This is what we're taught. <laughs> we are not taught to sit in history class, and they say, yes, the pyramids were built by many people dragging very large rocks up ramps. <laughs> you're, not, you're not taught to think, wait a minute, how many people did it take to do that? <laughs> and you're definitely not taught to think, well, gee, are you sure they did it that way? Maybe they levitated them. You're not allowed to think. We're not taught to think here. We're taught to regurgitate history and basic things that make us functional, like math and science, and things that we can be put to work as good little soldiers. And we're happy because we think we're free, or, well, at least in, our, in America, in the free countries. We have that, even the other countries don't even have that. But we're not taught to look deeper into what's happened here. If we look at our history and what we're told is the way history has unfolded, you would not believe the holes in these stories. If you look at the line of history, oh yeah, these guys came from here, we think they came from over there, and then they raided these guys, and they became these guys. It's like, oh really? Where'd they come from? I don't know. We think they came from over there. Well, it might have been over here. <laughs> Who knows, right? And then, of course, you go back to Darwin, and it's like, where? well, where'd we come from? I don't know. First we thought they might have been apes. Now we think we might have come from fish. I don't know. We're not really sure either. But it's this way. They don't have the answers. They have guesswork. They have pieces of things they found from the past that they try to put together and make a puzzle out of to tell us what our life is about, where we came from. And we are told to simply accept that this guesswork are the facts that you're going to build your life on. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> the history here is much longer and much more intense than anything we have encountered. When they've been giving us progressively the history over the last three years, I've hit points of overwhelm. Where does it... I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> no. You know, the, the stuff in Lyra, that was enough. You know, at least that's a long time ago and far, far away. <laughs> but when you start to bring it into Atlantis, this is where it got really touchy for me because there's a lot of pain still wrapped around it. There's a lot of us here. If we're here now, it's because we were here during the Atlantean period. 
There's nothing new on this planet. It's all been recycling because it couldn't get out of here because of what happened in Atlantis. So there's a history that took place primarily from 25,500 BC forward. It's what's directly affecting us now. There were other things that affected us before that. There were two extinctions of the human races on Earth because of war with the Anunnaki races primarily. And it's really funny. If you look at the New Age movement, one of the things that you'll find is any of them that acknowledge that there's other races, they acknowledge there's Anunnaki, and they acknowledge that there's draconian type races. The Anunnaki always make the Drax have to be the bad guys. And they're the good little saviors that'll come in. They're the ascended masters that'll come in and help you. Just give your power here. <laughs> they're the ones that have learned the art of seduction. They've learned that you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. So they give you whatever it is you might want. And they do it in a loving, soft, melodic voice. And usually with very pretty faces. And they'll heal your little thingy that might be wrong. And they'll help. And they'll even promise you lottery tickets, but very, very rarely will they deliver on those. <laughs> These guys are the ones coming from the Anuelohim, or the ones coming from the races that interbred with the other races, from the fallen matrix, the other fallen time matrix, the Wissadite matrix. We're in the middle of a con job that's unbelievable. If we get to a point where we think, oh my God, there actually might be these other factions of life forms out there. You have the people of the ET movement where they know things are flying around the skies. I mean, there's enough stuff on video at this point. Like, we're all making it up? I don't think so. But they're the ones that, like, they're like well, what, you know, what is this? They watch the New Age guys who are often like white robes dancing around in circles, which they do have a reason for dancing around in circles. At least we know that. But there's this whole division happening between these people. Each side thinks the other's totally wacky. That neutralizes both sides. And meanwhile, you have mainstream people walking around in a total daze. Where none of it's real. We know that. I mean, didn't you read Darwin's book? You know, didn't you read this? Didn't you read it? Yeah, we read it and we don't like it. <laughs> the history is coming toward us whether we want it or not. The past is coming back. Atlantis is rising. And we're walking around in the middle of it. In there was a whole series of events that took place between 25,500 BC and, let's say, 200 years ago. There was a script that was step-by-step step enacted. It was a script that came out of an agreement called the Luciferian Covenant. The Luciferian Covenant was an agreement that involved some of the hybrid races. I won't go to, into the story of the Leviathan races right now. I've covered that in other workshop material. But it was a hybrid experiment that was to help the fallen races. They got in here through hybridization because we let them, because where there's life, there's hope. <laughs> That's one of those shoot the horses, don't they? Yes, that was a dumb thing to do. But they're allowed in, and there's lots of them running around the planet right now, and most of them don't know that they're that, so they're just as innocent and clueless as the rest of us, right? <laughs> so you can't blame them for it. But anyway, we're, we're in a situation of history that has evolved through some significant periods. If we go to the history of this area, this area has been like a combat zone for ages and ages because there's a lot of connections here to Stargate 5, which is a gate connection directly to Tara in, in Density 2. And there's also other things here. These are con There's control grids that have been put in here, particularly in 22,000 through 26 BC. The turnstiles have been concentrated in these areas of what used to be Ionia. There's also a bunch of them up in England, which used to be Lojas and Lantis. They're, they're positioned all over the planet. But this place, like many others where, you know, that were related to gate areas, has been a place of constant, you know, one, person, one group gets in, another takes it over. One other group gets in, another takes it over. The influence that's been here primarily 
no matter how hard the, the Anunnaki races tried, the Drax still held this one. This was one of theirs that they weren't going to let go. When I say the Drax, the people that have been used, the people who have been used, the Leviathan races, we call them the Illuminati races, that these are races that are born. They're, hu they're in human form like everybody else, but they're not born with a Christos spark because they were conceived out of a generation of Leviathan races that didn't have the Christos spark. What inhabits those beings are souls from the Fallen Matrix, from the Phantom Matrix. Now, they don't know that when they get here. The Phantom Matrix uses their people as expendable bodies to get their presence on the planet, and they don't care much for their own races, so they don't take care of them. That's why there's a lot of Illuminati people here. The people they beat up on most of those are usually themselves. They don't take very good care of their own peoples. Now, we've all evolved to a point where people are trying to take care of each other, whoever you're from, down here, which is the, the saving grace element, where you're almost tempted to say, well, there's life, there's hope. <laughs> you can help them all. <laughs> that one again. There's, I know a lot of people that are Illuminati, that are born in the Illuminati pattern, and they didn't, on the conscious level, choose to do this. They just found themselves created and in bodies, and they grew up, and they have a childhood that they remember, and they don't remember anything else before that, and that kind of thing. But these races have been used like puppets by the fallen angelics who created them. And because of their human imprint, even if it's very small, they don't have a full Christic imprint yet. They don't have 12 strands. But the Leviathan races received five strands. They received five strands of the human angelic, one at, like, one at a time. This is where we got our going from um, Neanderthal man up to like Cro-Magnon and eventually into what we call the Homo sapien. They, that wasn't our evolution. That was their evolution because they, they had a basic ape hominid form that was created by using certain elements of, I think, monkeys from here and some of their own race strains. And we took that form, well, when they entered the Emerald Covenant, that form was used to begin splicing in, a little bit at a time, strand templates from the angelic human race to give them the ability to evolve into a form they'd never had before, but a form that would allow them to eventually, if they could regenerate five strands over many generations, they could then leave here. This fifth strand activation would allow them to go through the stargates here to get to density two. You can get them off Earth, get them out of here already because they had been causing problems here. They, it was because of those races that the human race fell twice here and was destroyed and had to be reseeded. So it was like, fine, get them evolved, get them out of here, <laughs> get them up to Terra where we can handle them better and help them on their next stage. They were on a program of evolving the 12 strand evolution so they could get their 12 strands back, but they got hijacked in the middle of it the races that they had originally incarnated out of. It was like there was a rebellion in Phantom Matrix. A whole bunch of races, fallen races, decided they didn't want to be fallen anymore. They decided they wanted to work their way back and not play you know, the fallen angelic game anymore. Forget Masters of the Universe. This isn't fun anymore. <laughs> you know, basically, we don't like it here. And they entered, you know, once they were in incarnation, they had the ability to make a choice to join the Emerald Covenant. They could make a choice that if they were in a form, any form at all, even an animal form here, they could transfer their soul out of the animal form here and into one of these hybrid races that would give them an evolutionary path. It wasn't going to be, you're going to get there tomorrow. It was going to be, you're going to work your way back out. That's the only way you can do it, is to rebuild the template. So they agreed to, to come in. They're not born with a Christos spark, but they're born with the potential to regenerate it. It makes them, the Illuminati races, even like in the past and now, have a weakness genetically. It's a weakness that allows them more vulnerability. They can be messed with easier. 
they're like little puppets because of their gene codes. It's like having little black holes in the DNA template. They can literally, if there's a, a consciousness from the fallen matrix that wants to mess with them, they can move right into their bioenergetic fields and impulse them to do things. If they really want to get themselves into that body, they can very easily push the other consciousness out and take possession of the body. So the Illuminati races are, are an endangered species and they don't even know it. They're usually too busy though, going on dominion quests down here because they still carry the same consciousness distortions as the collectives from which they incarnated. They still have a warring mentality. I mean, there have been beings um, that <laughs> our governments and certain, certain governments have been approached by what would be considered ETs that offer them certain options since the 1930s and said, well, you know, you can fight this out, but it's not gonna work. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna win this fight. Why don't you try this? This is the peaceful way to do it. This is the way to protect your planet. And those are the, the people who were in the governments that were being run at the time by the Illuminati said, no, we don't like it your way. We want to do it the peaceful way. You won't give us guns and weapons. We won't talk to you. <laughs> so they sided with the negative sides. We're in a situation at this point. It's a culmination of the history from Atlantis. The history from Atlantis is very sad. There are repeatedly the places that we've been guided to. There's a layer of history that belonged to indigos and humans that belonged to us. And most of it was quite sad because we were continually trapped and persecuted from the Leviathan races. The Leviathan races or the Illuminati races that had originally been part of the bioregenesis experiment were originally not, you know, guys that had gotten in trouble but were trying to rehab. They were trying to be good guys, but they got messed with in Atlantis by the fallen angelics. In Atlantis, you had spaceships flying here. It was, it was common knowledge that, you know, ET beings existed. So it was no big deal for them to come in and, you know, like for different, various different races to come in and interact directly with the peoples. The races that, from the Phantom Matrix, that they weren't supposed to be able to come in here. There was what was called a wall in time that was put up about 5.5 million years ago. It was a, a frequency barrier between Phantom Matrix and this side because they were completely continually invading over here. They were able to poke holes in it and come back and forth. And in Atlantis, they were able to come in enough to where they used seduction. The Anunnaki races used seduction to convince their, their um, Illuminati races, their, their Leviathan races, that they would never be accepted by the humans. The humans didn't really care about them because they weren't of them. They get that whole trip. And it wasn't true. I mean, the human, angelic humans and the founders wouldn't have gotten involved if they didn't love them in the first place. They wouldn't have taken the risk of you know, allowing them to come in. But if you don't have the crystic imprint, if you don't have that D12 frequency to allow you to feel the bigger picture, it made them scared and it made them not know who to trust. And if there were ones that were having a hard time, the Anunnaki fixed it for them. They became very um, dependent on the Anunnaki to fix things for them. Because the Anunnaki could do magic compared to what the Leviathans could do. So could the angelic humans. But the angelic humans had something called rules. <laughs> I mean, yes, we can create that, but it would cause harm here, here, and here, so we won't create that. Where the Anunnaki came in and said, you can create anything. See, you can become like us. And that was very seductive. When the Leviathan races went over, there was this whole thing. It's funny, when we talk about the, the, um, the gods of Rome and Greece, where these guys came from, they came right out of Atlantis. And where they come from, from Atlantis, they came right out of the Phantom Matrix, unfortunately. 
when we get into the Metatronic workshop, we'll see the names of some of the planets in Phantom Matrix, and it's just, it's really funny. I mean, we have like a, a Polyon, <laughs> that's one of them. There's a number of others that um, you can see where the gods of Olympus came from. There were, it's more like saying, you know, saying, I, my, hi, my name's Earth because I come from there. You know what I mean? It was kind of like that. And there's whole mythologies built on some of the interactions but between peoples, between groups of peoples. Like in, 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 the, in the mythologies, there's a lot of everybody sleeping with everybody else. I mean, it was just like, you know, um, a heyday of, of fornication in those kind of in those mythologies. This was really talking about what groups were interacting and interbreeding with, what, you know, with other groups. When it came to the point where we have, okay, we have ancient Atlantis, we have a bunch of things that happened there, then there was this big blank spot that I'll talk about in a minute, and then there was this other evolution where we have cultures that seem to have popped up, what we call our most ancient cultures. We have cultures that obviously built the pyramid things down there in Egypt. We have the Minoan civilizations here. We have the remnants in China of temples. We have the remnants in South America of temples. There's remnants all over the place. So our people on this side that don't have any memory anymore and the books aren't there anymore, and they're like, hmm, where did these guys come from? They, like, where, where did they come from? It's just, we were apes once and eventually we learned how to build pyramids? I don't think so. But when it comes to the, this area, and this is, what, this is what I want to kind of like bring into focus for, for our workshop for tonight, is just getting a feel for this area and the influences that you can see it with the people too, the people here that we've met are very much steeped in, in the mythologies of this place. This is their history and they're proud of it. They're proud of it because it gives them one thing that standard history out there doesn't. It gives them more ancient roots and it gives them a connection to something real in the sky. Whereas you have, you know, people that are just Christian who hope there's, you know, Mary and Jesus and Joseph and all the saints and those guys if you're Catholic up there. The, there's, there's a thing, there's a romance about the, the, uh, the gods from here, the gods from um, Greece and Rome. These guys, first of all, they, like, they were very sensuous. They allowed you to have sensual pleasures. It, it was okay to like have bodies and do things with them. Where if you get into the heavy Christian dogma, that's not okay anymore. I, I find it really amazing because it's very Christian here now, very Catholic. There's a very strong Catholic imprint. But you also see statues of men naked <laughs> standing in the lobbies of hotels. <laughs> it's like for an American, that's like, oh, <laughs> you kind of just got to check over your shoulder. <laughs> like it's, you know, maybe a beautiful work of art. But I would, if I had a statue like that, even a little one, in, in like my living room and people came into my house, I'd blush every time they looked at it. I'd be embarrassed because that's the stuff that we're like, you know, at least in America, that's what we're taught. Just to be, oh, yeah, a little too puritanical. It's an amalgamation here of cultural influence. It's amazing to see how it came from Atlantis because in Atlantis, you had delegations. Once they had opened, the portals here and could get into this system and come and visit. Now there was things like Syrian Council and various other guardian councils that were doing their best to guard the portal system, to not let these guys in because they would always create war when they came in. If they didn't come in and try to just decimate everybody completely and just take it over, they'd use seduction and try to get interior rebellion to take it over for them, which they've been trying to do for a long time. They still are. In Atlantis, they the whole um, Greek 
and Roman god mythology was set, but part of this mythology was also Egyptian. Originally, the Egyptian gods, the gods that became the gods of Egypt, you know, like Poth and all those guys, and Osiris and Horus and all of those, they sat right alongside the gods of Olympus. They were all part of the same pantheon of gods. They were all the same people, races, coming from other places. And there was this whole subservience thing taught in Atlantis. This was when the temples were getting very, very corrupt, and where the origi originally the temples belonged to the Maji Grail line, angelic humans and indigos, but they were progressively forced out by the Levi Leviathan races. And many times it was force. It was like, we'll destroy you, <laughs> you know, and they did, you know, and took over the temples. <laughs> it was like, yeah, they can do that, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, we know we're immortal. We have to do another body, but at least we know, you know, we're immortal. They set up a structure of subservience there. This is where the, the heavy God's up here, you're down here and lowly. You want to have things your way. You don't have any power, but we do. And as long as we're happy with you and you kiss up to us, we'll do it for you. This is where the transfer of power was heavily, heavily ingrained into the Leviathan races. They were told they were utterly powerless, and that was demonstrated in certain ways by making them powerless. You know, stick them over here someplace on the planet, and then have big bad storms come and get them, and then have something come down and say, we control the storms, which they did. They could control by the crystal technologies, the dome, you call it the dome here. It's a, a, a natural hydro suspension field that was very actively controlled consciously in Atlantis. It was set up with apparatus that had to do with massive crystals that were buried underground in relation to the Stargate lines, and you could, you know, ley lines, and it, they were able to generate somewhere in one of the texts, one of the, like, obscure little details of stuff, or one of the books, I don't know which one it's going to go in, they explain the hydro suspension fields and how they worked, and what they did with, like, ions in the atmosphere and, and that kind of thing, and how it allowed them climate control. And as long as that was working, climate control worked. But right now, there's only little parts of that that are still operational. But we're, we're, the people of Atlantis were set up in a situation where they began to worship these big guys that came down from the sky in their fancy little ships. Or some of them would pop in through portals and that kind of thing. And that's if you can't do it, and they can, that's real impressive. Like, <laughs> if, I, if like, we, me and us could like, appear and disappear before you, You'd be like, wow, yeah, well, listen to these guys. They know something we don't, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're, we're working on it with you. We can tell you how to do it, but we can't do it yet either. But <laughs> we can tell you the mechanics. But this is, these are the games that are being played. Right now we have things like crying statues and, you know, those kind of things that are happening. It's the same people that are doing them. The ones that are making Mother Mary statues cry and, you know, blood come out of the hands of crucifixes and these kind of things. This is all holographic insert technology. And this is the stuff that was used to pull the wool over the eyes of the Atlantean peoples. And it got to the point where there was one of the biggest reasons, I think, that the Olympian gods were very much into fornication and all sorts of other things that would produce children was because the more of them there were, the more they would have a, an army to take over. And it was, you know, go forth and multiply over and over and over again. You don't even care who you do it with. Just make lots of them, right? <laughs> It started in Atlantis, and you had competing groups of fallen angelic races. You know, like Zeus's crew might not like Apollo's crew for two centuries or something. You know, so they compete with each other, and they wouldn't let them intermarry with each other. You know, they'd like yeah. There was a manipulation going here. If you read the Greek mythologies, it was really that bad. 
to the point where, yes, there were these big gods from the sky that were pulling strings and they'd do nasty stuff if you didn't, you know, sacrifice them, that kind of thing. The Greek mythology, the Roman mythology was true. And that is, in that sense, there really were these big people up there. And that's something that I think that I felt here with the, with the little bit of the Greek people that we've met. A part of them knows this. They know there is a truth to those stories, where in America it's like, oh yeah, the Greek mythology stuff, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's neat, it's romance, it's like, you know, fairy tale, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. These guys know it wasn't a fairy tale, they know there was some substance to it. That substance became mythology after a, a key moment in time. It was in 9,558 BC. That is a point in time when the groups of different Leviathan races on the orders of their fallen angelic kin from the Phantom Matrix orchestrated the flood, the great deluge. That was the great house cleaning period. There were a couple of times from that point going up further to like 3470 BC, this was another point in time, that there was a significant thing that happened that led to what we call the cultures here, Minoan culture. There's a point in time when the groups of different Leviathan races on the orders of their fallen angelic kin from Phantom Matrix orchestrated the flood, the Great Deluge. That was the Great House Cleaning period. There were a couple of times from that point going up further to like 3470 BC. This was another point in time that there was a significant thing that happened that led to what we call the cultures here, Minoan culture, this is where they began to fit into the picture. In, we'll start with the, we'll start, yeah, I'll start with 3,407. What became the Minoan people weren't just the Italic peoples, the they were peoples that came just to here to hide. They came in exile from Atlantis because progressively, since, since the flood, it was chaos, but even before the flood, you had an influx of indigo children, particularly Maji Grey lines, because they were really after them. If they could find a Maji line, first thing was to force the women to breed so you could get a baby that had the codes and then get rid of the rest of the Grey line. Yeah. So since the flood of 9,558 BC, there had been a progressive exodus of movement of the Ionian, of the, the Maji Grey lines into various regions. Some went to France, some in what we call France, and I think it was called Gaul then, but it was, you know, it, some went to France, some went into, literally went down into the Middle East area, some are in Afghanistan, and some went over into this area. The ones that went into this area, that, you know, it's called Greece now, were of the Celtic Druidic descent. Now, Celtic Druidic, it was Celtic and Druidic, just like you had Toltec and Olmec, okay? These were Atlantean tribes of the 12 tribes races. They were a grail line. The Druidics were the Maji grail line that went with tribe three of Nohasa, Atlantis, which is now what we call Bermuda. What's left of it is called Bermuda. The Celtics were tribe 11, uh, Maji grail line, and they were the ones that we call the Irish now. And the hi whole history of Ireland, we, we went through that a bit where they say, oh, there were these, these like wild blue raider races that went and like conquered territories. These weren't the Irish people. <laughs> these were the Leviathan raiders that came in and took over the race identity of the Irish people. The same thing happened here. The Italic people were, were, were not originally warriors. They were turned into warriors and trying to defend themselves. 
from what was happening here. But before we had the buildings that we saw, like today, at uh, Nosos, the, the, you know, the big palaces and those kind of things, there were civilizations here that for a while were actually peaceful. Because for a while, Ionia became a haven where we were being chased out of other areas where gate conquests were going down for Gate 11 up in England and for um, various other gates, Gate 10 down in Nigeria and, and um, what are the, uh, 